I'm Lamont. And I'm Leia. And you're tuning into the Lamont and Leia Podcast. Hey, Leia. So it is the month of September, and it is National Suicide Prevention Month, but also September 30th is National Love People Day. Oh, that's nice. I haven't heard of that one. Interesting that you brought those up. Uh, I think this brings an interesting twist to what we are talking about today, which reminds me, Lamont, what are we talking about today? Well, we're actually releasing an unreleased episode that you and I recorded back in April before the accident. If you guys want to know, like, if you guys want to catch up on the accident, um, what happened and stuff, that's episode 74. Um, that will be in the show notes. Awesome. So I think we should hand it over to Pass Lamont and Leia, let them give us a lowdown about what the topic is today, and introduce us to our guest. Uh, speaking of today's topic, what are we talking about today? We are talking about grooming. However, the goal of this episode is to offer a different perspective. So listeners or viewers, you'll just have to stay tuned. Okay. All right. No, I'll, I'll be patient. Uh, have we found anyone to help us with this topic today? Yes. So I have invited my friend, public administrator, Rebecca Rodriguez, and she's going to help us talk about this topic and unpack the ideas behind like what we're offering a different perspective or a different way of thinking about grooming behaviors, maybe in parenthood, in churches, and community or society. Interesting. Uh, we should get started. All right, let's go get her. Welcome, Rebecca, to the Lamont and Leia podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Would you please take a moment to introduce yourself to our listener and viewer audience? Sure. Uh, my name is Rebecca Rodriguez Lynn. And as this topic, you know, interested me and Lamont, maybe you thought of me for this because I'm a mother and that's something that's very important to me. And um, in this topic of grooming and abuse and such, um, I also have a background of um, mental health advocacy. These are topics that are really important to me. And um, yeah, so I look forward to talking to you all. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into the main topic. What is grooming behavior? Like when we talk about grooming, what are we talking about? Well, um, I think that grooming behavior is really when you're setting the scene for abuse, when you are establishing a relationship with a child towards, uh, that makes them more vulnerable, right? So a grooming, a person who grooms a kid would work on getting them to doubt themselves, to move their boundaries, perhaps to think this is the only person who gets me, kind of isolating them from their family or um, other, or they could be family, but um, outside influences that might, uh, they might be able to confide in. So it's sort of culling them from the herd and creating this faux intimacy and this trust and this lack of trust in themselves so that they'll follow the person and so that they won't report abuse. So it's, it's like cultivating a field, you know, um, and that, you know, people, I feel like the term grooming people are really debating right now, 
mm-hmm. uh, because unfortunately, a lot of right-wing people in the United States are trying to say any acceptance of LGBTQ from kids is in itself grooming. Um, so they're trying to sort of misuse that term um, to, to vilify the queer community. Um, but what grooming really is, you know, is basically creating an environment where you can abuse a child and get away with it. All right, all right. Yes. Would you say it's like like brainwashing? I haven't heard that in a long time, but I heard a lot that growing up. Like, I haven't heard that phrase. So I'm wondering, like, has grooming, like the phrase itself, yeah. kind of replaced the phrase brainwashing? Well, I think the difference between there, those two terms is when we think brainwashing, we think about someone sort of implanting a message in you. And so you could sort of say they're connected, but grooming is very much um, creating a set of conditions, Mm. you know, saying, oh, I'm not telling you what to think. In fact, I respect you. In fact, I'm the only person who respects you, you know, and sort of creating this set of conditions so that people accept a certain type of behavior. So I would say there's definitely parallels, um, but I think at least in the popular imagination, the way we think about it, we think of brainwashing as sort of implanting a message, whereas grooming, I think you're creating a set of conditions. All right, that's that's very helpful actually. Um, I think it's also important to mention that anybody can be a groomer, Um, Mm -hmm. no matter their age, gender, or race, grooming can take place for a short period of time, to a long period of time definitely yeah yeah and then people that groom kids and we're gonna we're gonna take it out of this like like sexual like right um thing in a moment but people that groom kids um they usually build relationships with the the young person and possibly their family members to make it easier to have access yes yeah i think the term like grooming people usually do associate with like sexual grooming like predators and like child abuse and stuff like that but uh today we did want to talk about other forms right Lamont yes we want to talk yeah. about other forms mm-hmm. of grooming so I'm like, like exactly right so people usually associate the term with sexual grooming mm-hmm. or being predators what is the different types of grooming behaviors that we've seen um take place well i think in order for it to really be called grooming unless you're going to change the definition of it um there would probably be some kind of abuse involved on the end of it so maybe not sexual abuse maybe it's emotional abuse spiritual abuse financial abuse you know um even physical abuse you know because if you if there is no male intent, that's just a mental relationship or that's just a friendship or whatever. Um, I think for it to be grooming, there does have to be some kind of harm that occurs um, at the end of that process. Um, so, but I, I do think that harm can take many different insidious forms and some maybe people don't even always identify as abuse. Okay, all right. Unlike a romantic relationship, um talking about spiritual or um emotional or um mental right um 
I'm trying to think of an example that would well, take place in a romantic relationship. Well, definitely, I think in terms of romantic relationship, um, some of the behaviors are similar, sort of calling someone from the herd, so to speak, kind of cutting them off from their friends, saying their friends don't support us, your friends don't understand us, you know, and then for emotional abuse, okay, let's say the abuse is um, emotional and you, you know, want someone to accept a certain type of treatment. You might say things like, no one will ever treat you as good as I do. No one will ever want you. No one, you know, or if you want to say someone is someone who denigrates their partner, say for their size, you know, perhaps they give them these messages of, oh, well, if you respect your partner, you stay in shape or, oh, mm -hmm. if you care, you think about these things, you know, and they set this environment to where they will accept the kind of emotional abuse where you're denigrating someone for their, for their body or their size. So mm -hmm. I think, um, some things are going to be similar across it, which is one, I think getting someone, I think the main thing is getting someone to doubt themselves, you know, then we get into things like gaslighting and manipulating, but I think severing that person's and damaging that person's ability to trust their own instinct is going to happen across the board because someone's first instinct is going to be, oh, I don't like when you talk to me that way. Or I don't like that you don't give me access to my own money. Or I don't like that you treat me as though, you know, I'm being promiscuous when I speak to someone, you know, um, your first instinct is going to be, I don't like that. So this grooming process where they've used different techniques, it could be things like gaslighting or manipulation or whatever. It's to get you to be disconnected from your own instincts, to deny the truth as you know it. So, and then to disconnect you from people who might notice that and point that out to you, you know? So, and then also there's a, there's a process of sort of, um, damaging your self-worth because that's going to get you to doubt yourself as well. So like I was saying, you know, no one else will, will want you or, um, you're a difficult person to love, you know, and they can give you these messages in many different ways. So I think in a lot of that, the, the, um, the, the, can, the method of creating the conditions is very similar. Yeah, yeah. And then the other ways that I came up with were maybe a mentor or authority figure, a dominant person or a persistent figure. Sure, I mean, I think, um, Definitely, there's some very toxic, you know, employment situations mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. people, you know, sometimes, you know, and people will talk about it now, but it's true. If someone hires you and then go, oh, we're like a family here, you know, we want your loyalty. And they start sort of using these very emotionally charged terms to sort of set this, this, uh, this um, set of conditions where you're gonna feel guilty for setting boundaries. You're gonna feel ashamed for saying no. Um, it's always about boundaries. It's always about disrespecting your boundaries and kind of making you feel crazy for expecting to have any to begin with. So I think you can hear that right away. I had this one job actually right out of grad school where I think in the interview and I could, it was like alarm bells, you know, you can hear them going off where you're like, Oh, this is not going to be good, but I need a job. I just graduated, you know, I don't have any money. And it was like, 
you know, every person I've ever hired has been disloyal to me. Every person has failed me. Every person has disappointed me. And you kind of go, you know, what they're doing is they're building this, oh, I'll be different. You know, I'll be the exception. I'll be the one to please you. So sometimes it's like everyone else is awful, but you and every other boss is awful, but me, you know, trying to create this intimacy where you're going to compromise who you are and your values and your boundaries for me. And I think that absolutely can happen in a, in a professional setting as well. Yeah, no, that totally happened to me. Like right after I got my BA degree, I got a job and um, I was promoting for this one company. Um, they were building an app and there was another part of the company. Um, and the guy was a really cool guy. Like he would always like take us out, buy us food, like take care of, like take care of us. But then he would like say or do mean things. And I'm like, Hey, like, that's not okay. And so at some point I, I started laying down boundaries. Like, Hey, like, you're not going to talk to me. You're right. not going to like treat me this way. Like th yeah. this is a no go. Like, right. and so I got, I got accused of not doing work that I did uh -huh. um, and they were going to punish me or try to punish me for um, not doing the work by giving someone else my shift and stuff. So I was like, like the person came, they got the keys and I sent the message like, Hey guys, unfortunately it's time for me to leave the company. It's been great serving with you guys and stuff. And right. I just got out of there um, because I was like, I told him like, first of all, you're not gonna treat me like this. And so like, right. he was, a, I felt like it was a retaliation for me telling him like, no, like it's not gonna be this way. And then he right. came up with an excuse for like, I'm gonna, we're gonna do it my way and then I'm gonna get you in line kind of thing. Yeah. And so whatever he did to try to manipulate that situation and create those conditions and you failed because you went, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. But people who are perhaps more, more, vulnerable and aren't trusting their own selves because when you're saying you bought all these nice things for you there's a new term another term I don't know how new it is but people are talking about a lot called love bombing mm -hmm. and, you know in the beginning of a romantic relationship where someone is just overboard right away um you know I want to commit to you I want like we should have kids and these grand romantic gestures but they're doing it because when they start treating you poorly you're so desperately going to want the good back that you do anything to get that back so if you're a vulnerable person and you're given just instant complete unconditional romantic devotion and then two weeks later they kind of go you know they're kind of start being abusive in some way and then it's like well don't you want that old treatment back so i mean that is very much a tactic, I think, in all kinds of uh, these type of toxic relationships where people go overboard, generous and kind at the beginning, and then snatch it away, hoping to have created this reaction in you of, oh, oh, God, but I just need to suck up to this person to get what I have back. You know, it's like, there's so many methods, whether it's, um, yeah, gaslighting or love bombing or whatever, you can use all of these different tactics across these um different settings to create these conditions but clearly whatever he tried to create in you didn't work because <laughs> you were like <laughs> yeah lamont's too smart <laughs> <laughs> he's too self-aware um so just backtracking just a little bit so i think someone had mentioned something about intent 
of abuse or intent of misguiding or intent of being controlling or manipulation, exploitation, et cetera. I don't remember who said it, one of y'all. Um, so we want to talk about non-sexual grooming because I think most people know what usually what that encompasses. It's very out there. Like there's information about what that is and what to look for. Um, so if there's, if grooming is defined by there needing to be an intent of some sort, is, can grooming occur in like from parents or from teachers or from churches? Cause like in my little, like everything is good mind, <laughs> those situations wouldn't have ill intent towards someone or sort of child, you know? Well, what I would say is it's not intent that makes it grooming as far as the negative or toxic. It's the outcome, right? Because okay. some people may not be self-aware enough to have intent. Mm. Um, that may just be how they operate instinctively in order to have the world set up to serve them in the way they like, you know, yeah. and it can be instinctive. It can be habit. Um, and as far as parents and church, I mean, most of the time the abusers are your family and your church it's you know it doesn't happen so much where someone grabs you a stranger grabs you off the street you know i you may know those numbers better than i do but i think it's like in the single digits where that's what happens it is generally your family and your church so um but as far as intent one thing that i really think parents do it is not necessary i would even call it like pre-grooming you know you're creating mm -hmm. conditions for someone to be abused even if you are not the abuser does that make sense yeah that does I, make sense like um you know i mentioned that you know i was raised um fundamentalist is what they call themselves baptist so it's very very you know it's a very extremist sort of sect i would say of baptist and i call this amish with electricity because it was very very you know we weren't allowed to go to the movies we weren't allowed to listen to music um the girls could not wear pants because it was like you know you couldn't have friendships outside of your specific church. I mean, it was very, it was a lot. <laughs> and, um, you know, a lot of those practices that they followed for parenting and a lot of them that they felt were coming straight from the Bible, spare the rod, spoil the child, you know, very threat-based, violent-based, mm -hmm. fear-based mm -hmm. discipline um very patriarchal top down i'm the boss you do as i say that model of parenting i very much believe that that is like a pre-grooming even if you are not the one to abuse them right because mm -hmm. there are multiple reasons for that one you're sending an example of that child how they are to be treated so they come along and they're a teenager they date someone oh, you, you can't date someone who shouts at you or hits you. Well, you shouted at me. You hit me. You might tell me that, oh, people shouldn't do that. But actions are far more powerful by orders of magnitude than words. So how you treat your child is very much you're teaching them how other people should be treating them. And so if you're treating, treating them, and not, not just obvious things like, hitting or yelling or sexual abuse, but things like you don't get to decide what you do with your own body. 
Mm-hmm. That's an important one. That's a big one. So um, even if it's you have to hug auntie, you um, have to let me hit you. You know, I have to be able to hit you or um, even disconnecting you from your body. You have to eat even if you're full. You have to eat vegetables even if you hate them. And these sound very small things. And obviously some of them are small. Some of them are very big. But there are so many messages we give them to don't listen to your body. Don't listen to your instincts. Do as I say and smile, you know, and it's like, and then you're, and then you tell them adults are basically gods. You, yes, Mm -hmm. ma'am, you know, ma'am, you do as you're told. And then you release them out to the wild and you're surprised when an adult is very easily able to abuse them. You know, I definitely, when I had my son, I was like, no, we're not doing that. You know, and I told him, yes, your teachers, your coaches, of course you respect them, but they respect you too, period. Respect is a two-way street. I don't care how tiny or child you are, you deserve respect too. And when we would come up with sort of um, any kind of conflict or problem, I would kind of go, what do you think, kid? What do you think is the best way to handle this? What are your instincts telling you, you know? really dialing into going, I want, this is your life. This is your body. I want to hear what you have to say. Um, and I will back your play. Say there's a kid at school who's giving them a hard time. Like you have to respect that child. They're in it. They know how dangerous is this actually, you know? Um, and I'm there with you. And then we end up going to the principal or we go here and we resolve it. But at every, at every stage, it was, what do you think? What do you feel? how would you like to see this go? You know? Mm. Um, and then you do all of that because on top of everything else, when you don't listen to your child, when you don't respect them as a full human being who deserves every bit of dignity that you do, absolutely, they go out looking for it. Cause guess what? That is a base human need every single one of us needs to have our autonomy respected to be listened to um and to have basic dignity you you know you don't give that to your child they are going to get it somewhere else so it's not intelligence it's vulnerability it's not intelligence that has or lack of intelligence that gets someone into these situations they can't get out of it's vulnerability it's low self-esteem it's lack of ability to set boundaries, lack of self-worth to stick with boundaries. And if you're a kid, you don't have a parent back there who's backing you up. You're just out there on your own. They're going to go, oh, you should just respect them. You should just obey them. And that, I mean, that's how you create these conditions that are absolutely perfectly ripe for coming, someone to come along and abuse your child. And guess what? They will never tell you. And especially in these religious atmospheres that teach you that sex through your body is shameful. Um, because your body as a kid is still gonna have reactions. You're still gonna have um, desires or excitement or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so if someone comes along and abuses you and you think, oh, but I I was curious about that. So it must be my fault. So it's multiple levels of shame, vulnerability, and lack of ability to listen to yourself and set boundaries. So when you have this overbearing sort of violent or threat-based parenting. Uh, in my view, that is as good as grooming. You've pre-groomed them. 
and you've set them out and gone, go ahead, you know? Yeah, Rebecca, you laid that out so (laughs) I feel like you're like my spirit animal living and breathing, like everything that I've ever thought or felt or wanted (laughs) to say, I feel like you just laid it out right now. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people have those, that experience. So then you end up being a parent yourself and you're, in a way, you're starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. no that that's great points all around um um I was watching a TikTok mm-hmm. and um I really liked what happened in this TikTok so the girl comes downstairs the mom's like hey your uncle's here why don't you give him a hug mm-hmm. the girl says I don't want to give my uncle a hug um yeah. I'm just not comfortable with all the touching yeah and the uncle's like come over here and give me a hug and her yeah. mom and she and the girl reiterated what she said of herself. And she was like, no, I don't want to give you a hug. I'm not comfortable with the touching. And then he talks to the mom and um, he's like, tell her to give me a hug. Yeah. And the mom backs the kid up. I'm like, yes, yeah. mom, yes. Yeah. She's like, no, she said no. So you're going to respect her. Yeah. And he was like, I'm her uncle. She should give me a hug. And yeah. she was like, you're in her house. Yeah. She said that she's not comfortable with the touching. She's let you know twice. And if you can't respect that, you can leave. Right. And the uncle took off. And I loved, loved seeing how supported she was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because in, in my view, and, and it's funny because like, it's so cultural for us to make our kids hug everybody. And I'm Mexican-American. And it's like the kids come in the door, they have to kiss every single person. And there's nothing malicious behind that. But I think it's good for us to learn we can always get better at things. And I think it's good for us to practice this in smaller areas of respecting the kid's autonomy, period. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you know, I've had to learn that too, to go, if my little, you know, niece or nephew doesn't want to hug me, they get to do that. They get to make that decision. You know, like we can high five, you know, we can, you know, you can go off if you're in a poor mood and and go to your room. Because guess what we've, I mean, to me, it's all empathy based. Do you always feel like doing these things? Do you always want to fake that you're happy when you're not? Don't you want to have a bad mood sometimes or be sad or be, of course you do. They're no different, you know? And I honestly think if you do not have your child's back, who is going to? Either nobody or somebody you don't want having their back. They need you. Who else? You you are their connection to the world you are their only connection to so many things their rights their money the respect the way people treat them if you if if you don't have their back the whole thing falls down and you don't know where your kid's gonna end up you know i i agree 100 percent all right um so i think it's a good time for us to take a break Um, And when we come back, we'll talk about um, how to break some of these generational patterns that we've seen. And um, are there, are there better ways to like handle situations to like speak life into kids and to make them stronger and more attached to their sense of self, their body and their well-being overall. All right, let's go take a break and we'll be right back. Hello, Lamont. Hey, Leah. Oh, it looks like we have a guest. Hello. 
Hello. Welcome to our activity. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we haven't had a guest do an activity with us for a very long time. I know. It's Ooh, been a while. I feel very special. Yeah. yeah, I think we did a few in season one. Yeah. And then like season two, I don't think we had anyone. No, I don't think so. I feel very special then. Uh, but I'm not doing anything today. Lamont, it's all you. So please right. explain right. to us what we are doing. So earlier this week, I was on TikTok and I saw this story about hope. And because April is the month of hope, I thought we should like look at this story and talk about it. Okay. All righty. So let me bring it up for us. Okay. How a young man in a far off land went from zero to hero is the story our Steve Hartman has to tell. No one likes internet scammers. But here in Ogden, Utah, we True. found a guy with a most profound distaste. Uh, I mean, just wait till you hear how 34-year-old Ben Taylor responded to one random message, which read, My name is Joel from Liberia, West Africa. I need some assistance from you, business or financial assistance that will help empower me. To which Ben insincerely responded, How can I help? <laughs> mean that well i wanted to see how does this whole scam operation work and how do they bait people and so you're what, just curious i just wanted to go down this rabbit hole and see what were the tricks that they use to get people and there's no way you could have guessed where that rabbit hole is going to go there's no way i could have guessed <laughs> the journey began when joel in africa proposed a business partnership he asked ben to mail used electronics to some place in new jersey supposedly the electronics would be resold and the profits split I looked it up on Google Earth. It was just in a sketchy part of town. There were broken down cars all over the place. Street View even had a cop checking out the joint. Still, Joel insisted he would never take advantage of someone. Bible says in Proverbs 22, a good name is better than silver and gold, Joel wrote. Of course, Ben didn't buy a word of it. So he proposed a different partnership. He lied to Joel, told him he owned a photography business and could use some pretty pictures. So how about a sunset? How about a nice Liberian sunset? And what, you were gonna pay him for the pictures yeah, of the said, sunset? Yeah, it's good if I like it. Sure. You're just trying to keep him busy so he doesn't rip off somebody else. I figured that the more time of theirs that I could waste, the less time that they'd have to spend ripping me or other people off. Eventually, Joel sent two sunset photos. Um, we think. I think there's a sun somewhere in there. Turns out scenic photography could be. wasn't exactly <laughs> strong suit. That could be a pupil. <laughs> Not that it mattered. I told him, hey, this is great. Oh, you told him this is great. Said, this is a good job, but I think you need a little bit better of a camera. So Ben actually spent 60 bucks to buy and mail him this shiny red one. Now this has gone beyond wasting his time. Yeah. Now you're wasting your time. Yeah, so I'm investing my money. My family thinks I'm crazy <laughs> because I'm interacting with this guy in Liberia. But Joel didn't think it was crazy at all. He wrote, I've decided to really commit and devote myself to this business. What other pictures you want me to take? Ben replied, we've got to work on your photography. And eventually, Joel did get better. Yeah, these are actually pretty good. Which posed a big problem. When he put in the work, I thought, oh no, now I've got to figure out a way to compensate Joel for these pictures, or I'm going to be the scammer. Well, the final copies are in. And so I Ben took to YouTube to sell a booklet he made using the pictures. <laughs> he called it, by the grace of God, a phrase borrowed from Joel's messages. The plan was to sell a few dozen copies to friends and family until sales exploded. People from around the world in places that I never even heard of were buying Joel's book. 
Soon they raised $1,000. Ben told Joel he could have half, and the rest, well, Joel would get that too, but with a catch. Ben told him he had to donate that $500 to charity. And so, with that intention in mind, Ben wired the money. At this point, you need to know, $500 is like a year's salary in Liberia. So, really, it's kind of ridiculous to expect an unemployed, impoverished hustler to just give all that money away. In fact is, Ben never thought he would. Until another batch of pictures arrived. There were book bags, notebooks. He cleaned out the market, rented a cab to haul the loot, and blessed five schools with abundance. Four minutes instead of three. My bad. <laughs> I watch a lot of, like, scam videos. I find them entertaining. Uh, I get a lot of scam calls, like, every single day. So um, I, it's really nice just seeing one that ended nicely instead of with anger. Because <laughs> most of the time they're just angry videos of people either getting scammed or people trying to do what he was doing where they're engaging with the person mm -hmm. so that they're not out there doing it to other people who are more, you know, susceptible, susceptible. to it. Yeah. So it's good. And I'm glad that he actually went and used the money to purchase things for like his community as well yeah. as soon as i saw the kids come on i was like oh my gosh it's so cute <laughs> yeah so um it turns out like joel never had any intention on scamming this guy he just wanted to get a better situation for his, him and his family mm -hmm. and he was reaching out and I, I'm sad because the truth of the matter is there are scammers out there, people that do other people dirty, right? But in this instance, this could have been a potentially horrible or bad story that went really, really well. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we were definitely, my generational race, never talked to anyone online, you know, never trust anyone online. Um, but then as I've gotten older, I've actually many of my most important friendships I've made online with people I don't even know in real life. And it is nice to see stories of, man, when you put yourself out there and take, not take a risk with your money. I'm not saying go send people money. Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, when, you, when you put yourself, your heart out there, sometimes what you get back is really, really beautiful. Yeah. And so like, even like, so like, if you go and watch the rest of the video, like, Joel is not living in the best conditions, even with that $500 that was sent to him. Yeah. Um, they don't have beds, like they have like mats. He did, he did put in a new roof, but his roof is like 10. Yeah. So like to him, he's like, I got a new roof. Mm -hmm. I'm like, holy crap, that's a tin roof. That's, how's that gonna protect you and your family? You know, but to him, that's like big, right? Cause yeah. they are living in provish conditions. Well, yeah, and I think I would assume that scammers are people who have a lot of money who are just out gaming the system and like these little corporations that go bankrupt and then they start a new one. You know, that's kind of what I would assume behind mm -hmm. people who are scamming. So um, that is, you know, I think that's that's kind of a new thing for me to learn about. I mean, yeah. out of all the all of the scam videos, I'm not even joking when I tell you I watch a lot of scam videos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I find them very entertaining but like it's it's very both 
it's like people who are just doing it and have a bunch of money and are just spending it and like just continuing to do that and then on the other side there are people who while they're trying to get money by not very nice means they are like you said in need so which I don't I I really don't judge people for trying to subsist you know what I mean yeah so what are you guys not you but our viewers our listeners what are you guys going to do this month to celebrate hopefulness bring hopefulness to yourselves to other people change change the world just a little bit let us know I think we did a really good job I had fun what about you guys yeah, great time. Uh, Thank you for awesome let's get back to our topic and we're back so um how how do we change these behaviors um the behaviors you're talking about earlier like um having our children dissociate from their bodies um the um, the fear-based the fear-based right everything we talked about (laughs) yeah like everything how do we change those behaviors that have been passed down for so many generations because it is a like it is what we've learned from their parents and their parents and their Mm -hmm. parents sure I mean I I was taught you know you're you're a bad parent you're not doing your job right if you're not speaking your child you know Mm -hmm. you're ruining them you're you're making the, they're going to be unhappy because they're spoiled, you know, and if you can't be tough, you're a bad parent. I was definitely absolutely taught that. And, um, you know, my son, his father, you know, was very much raised in a similar environment. So we were both, you know, it is like you're starting from scratch because neither of us wanted to repeat all of that because we knew, I mean, it's not kind, but it also honestly doesn't work. It damages kids. It gives them anxiety you know, and a lot of kids, it just, um, it makes them act out more anyway. Mm-hmm. So to me, okay, well, it's, it doesn't work for me. And it's also just doesn't work. So for me, I just really believe it all goes back to empathy and respect and treating your child like a person. They're a person that needs, of course, boundaries and safety and a foundation, and they need um, structure but they're still a person. And so with my son, I would really just, you know, if I felt he was in a, in a position where he could be reasoned with, I would just talk to him um, and go, okay, honey, what, what is it that you really want right now? You know, kind of focus him on that. Well, I want you to buy me this. I said, okay what choices are you making right now to get what you want? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are you doing right now? Well, I'm asking or I'm begging or I'm crying. And I go, is this working for you? (laughs) So I would really try to focus him in on what do you want? What is your goal right now? How are you trying to get there? And is this working for you? And he's a very practical person, you know, because he wanted that, Pokemon or he wanted that video game and he would kind of go oh yeah it's not working for me is it so I kind of would teach him try to base because kids are very instinctively self-preservation 
Like, I wouldn't want to say selfish, though that's probably, yeah, you could say that for a lot of kids. We are selfish. They have this instinctive, instinctive self-preservation. So it was like, what do you want? And then I would also, and if that didn't work as well, it would be teaching them empathy for me. Um, With parents, there's a lot we can't and won't share with our kids because we're not their friends, we're their parents. Mm-hmm. But it is important for them to know we are human beings. So it's, how do you think this is making me feel right now? Or what would you do if you were me? You know, so I might try a practical approach. I might try an empathy approach. Or if it was a tantrum where he's just clearly lost all emotional strength to control his emotions, it was, okay, let me put a safe space for you to go and do that. I might be going nuts, so I might need to be in the next room, <laughs> or I might need you to volume down a little bit. But a big part of it is just knowing there does have to be steam letting. And what I found was when you respect your child, they want your approval in a mm-hmm. in a healthy way, not in a fearful they're going to beat me way. But when they when you show them that I am here because I care about you. I respect you enough to listen to you, to engage with your mind and your feelings. You build this relationship where they do not want to disappoint. They do not want to let you down. They do not want to upset you and not because you're going to do anything to them. It's just that respect goes both ways. When you're giving it, you often receive it. You know, you really don't have to have fear and pain to do that. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. So it sounded like you hopped onto the gentle parenting thing that is taking off today. Like before it was even like a thing. Leia, have you heard of gentle parenting? I have, because as we spoke about in previous episodes, I do take care of my younger siblings. And I was also raised in a way that I don't want to be treating them. (laughs) Like I know they're not my kids, so this the dynamic's a little weird because I'm their sister, but still I don't want to be treating them like that. Right. So Absolutely. I I looked into it. <laughs> it's like there's gotta be another way. <laughs> there's there's definitely another way. And it's called gentle parenting. So gentle parenting is this evidence-based approach to raise happy, confident children. Um, the main element is everything that you talked about, Rebecca. Boundaries, right? Yeah. And focusing on fostering these qualities that you want your children to be. So they are more compassionate people and they're able to enforce consistency and their boundaries. Yeah. When and, you said that to me, I Googled it and I was like, oh. Okay. I know what that is. <laughs> I was like, I did it. Like I didn't have a concept for it, but I did it. Right. Yeah. right because if you go right back to the concept of trusting your own instincts, which mm-hmm. would be for me, the parent, my own instincts. I'm the only person that knows me and I know how I feel about it. And um, empathy, respect, treating them like human beings. And to me, the proof is in the result. I, so, I agree. And know, like, I, I wish you guys could meet Rebecca son. I have had the opportunity to meet him a few times. He is a gentleman. He is kind, nurturing. When he enters your presence, this goodwill vibe just radiates off of him. And like that, like you could have had a kid that had more depression or more anxiety. I'm not sure if you ever dealt with any of those things, but it could have been more severe if you did not respect your child. 
our little people are people and we yes. all want to be treated yes. and cared for and respected. And so we have to break away from these traditional models of fear-based, do right. as I say, otherwise you're going to get punished or I'm going to ignore you or whatever it is to yeah. get you to comply yeah. and behave how I need you to behave. Yeah. Um, I think some people have an issue with gentle parenting because of the title or the, the concept or how it's labeled. Because, and I think they think more permissive parenting. Okay. This is not permissive parenting. It's not letting your kid no. do whatever they no. want. This is a great place to wrap up. And thank you for coming on our podcast, talking about this subject that you are passionate about. And if people want to get a hold of you about this subject or any other subject, what would be the best way for them to do that? Oh gosh, um, trying to think. I guess I mean I have Twitter. Okay. R Max Lynn at Twitter, <laughs> and that may be the best because I have a you know I have a few blogs and things, but they're for fandom stuff, so it yeah. it's a little um, probably not the the correct topic. But you can find me R Max Lynn on Twitter, and you know if I could leave people with anything, it's that when you are older. When you are in your golden years, you want your children and your grandchildren around you in your garden. You want to have these loving relationships. When kids are little, parents see them as little takers, you know, <laughs> take, take their hard work and they get resentful. And it's like, they're not kids for long. And I will tell you everything that I'm glad that I did was something that was kind and where I listened to myself, right? Everything um and that I regret that I did or that I think was wrong I did because I was listening to people who were saying oh you need to be this and you need to be that but regardless like you see people if you want to be in your 70s and 80s and beyond and your kids don't want to talk to you or they talk to you out of duty or you can't get them to come around you like think about that now <laughs> your kids are human beings are going to grow up and there's nothing more important than that relationship that relationship is an investment in your happiness and so you will never regret um, being kind to your kids. All right, I love that. This is true. Um, just a little side note, check the description. We'll have everything linked there, of course. Um, if you want, I can put a few of the links down to your fandom stuff. I oh. mean, I, probably people will be interested. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's mostly so like, um, mostly a lot of analysis socio-political analysis of the witcher books <laughs> yeah i mean there's always someone who's interested in something so okay. i'll put them down there so, but again check out those descriptions guys we like put a lot of work into those thank you guys you know what i realized the whole point of the original idea for this episode was about how there are little things that people do not perceive as grooming that are which is why we called it untraumatic grooming but we ended up focusing on parenting we did end up focusing on parenting but because i feel like that's where a lot of the the behaviors take place is in yeah but i think when we had originally talked about it the point we wanted to make was how things we had been brought up with have affected us in our daily lives even as adults all right so we might have to do a part two then yeah because well, like, i think we did a really good job like 
yeah talking about like how it comes about Mm -hmm. and now we need to talk about like how has it affected us yeah because I think the one thing I wanted to like point out specifically was like my view on like sexuality and stuff Mm. like in particular or like the fact that I still don't eat pork even though I'm not seven day Adventist like things (laughs) like that so I don't know yeah we might have to do a second episode Follow up this up, continue episode or something. Today's life lesson is unlearning fear and finding our way back to love. Did you know that love is what we're born with? However, while on life's journey, we are innovated with fear, and many of our brothers and sisters learn to live or respond with fear this becomes the norm our spiritual journey is to unlearn fear and accept love back into our hearts so that when we walk talk respond or behave we do so out of love and that is today's life lesson This has been the Lamont and Leia podcast. Created by Lamont Damon and Leia Nakahiki. Special thanks to my friend, Rebecca Rodriguez, for joining us on today's episode. This episode's topic was brought to light by Lamont Damon. And Leia Nakahiki. She was the original one who actually thought of it. I just (laughs) outlined it. This episode was edited by Leia Nakahiki. Our music is from Stream Beats by Harris Heller called That's the Way. Engage with us by leaving us a comment, sending us a message, or even an email. Guests and topic suggestions are always welcomed. Watch our podcast on Facebook and make sure to follow us on our socials. If you enjoyed our podcast, please consider supporting us by visiting our coffee page. Links can be found in the show description. And as always, thank you for listening.